Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. That was the voice of Nikki Freed. She is Florida's Commissioner of Agriculture, which I'm fascinated by. Um, can't wait to have this conversation. And also the only Democrat in an entire state with people from uh, New York in it, you know, a whole bunch of Black folk from Haiti and Jamaica and other places. How's that possible? We got to do better. <laughs> Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show, Nikki Freed. Yes. Well, oh, thank you for having me, Karen. <laughs> yes, applause, applause, applause. Of course, Renee Seiler is here, my par partner in power today. Um, I need you to win for a lot of reasons. First of all, because that would neutralize DeSantis, who I believe could win the presidency if he runs. Uh, that would definitely be a leg sweep that I'm looking forward to. <laughs> All right, what is it gonna take, Nikki Freed? Uh, no votes, I know it will take votes, uh, but what strategy do you have to defeat him? Look, we have a very big strategy. Um, I won in 2018 as the only Democrats have finished, finished uh, our state since Barack Obama. And this is what it's gonna take. It's gonna create a movement. You know, I think that, you know, what we've been doing in this primary is talking to everybody. Um, we are crisscrossing the state that this campaign is built on the grassroots um, because too many times us in the Democratic Party focus on such the top of the ticket and don't focus on what's happening on the ground with the people. And that's why we across the nation are seeing such a disconnect between Washington, D.C. Democrats and what is actually happening on the ground. And so we are very simple. Talk to the people, listen to their listen to what their concerns are and fix it. Uh, this is to be politics 101. And the more you, you spend in the communities, you're talking to people, you're lifting people up, you're doing your campaign from the bottom up, that's how we're going to win. And this guy has gone so extreme and has alienated everybody in our state. If everybody in our state votes who he has silenced or hurt or, or yelled at, we can win in a landslide. Okay. Yeah, I was just... Oh, one, one more, just one more. Um, because yeah, I, I was here election night when a Andrew, um, not now Gillum, Gillum, Gillum. yeah, Andrew Gillum was this close to winning, and yeah. on that ballot was a referendum to restore voting rights to formerly incarcerated people. And I said, This is going to be a game changer. And then they instituted a poll tax. <laughs> I was like, What in the 1800s is that? So Nikki Freed, where are we with re restoration of voting rights for the formerly incarcerated and how do we galvanize the, the two million plus people who couldn't vote before? Yeah, this is a major problem. I mean, we all voted for this. I think it was like 72% all voted for this. And then the Republicans came in and, and put that extra, you know, I too called it a poll tax. The Speaker of the House refused to listen and to let me into his office for the rest of his term uh, because of it. Uh, they added all these extra steps. I then tried to fight it in clemency, which if we had done it right in clemency to begin with, we didn't wouldn't have needed this. And as a past public defender, this is things that I did every single day as a PD. I made sure that every single one of my clients at the end of our plea deal, I said, Your Honor, will you please transfer all these court costs and fees to a civil judgment so it wouldn't carry with them. If every public defender in our state would have done the same thing, we wouldn't be in this situation. Um, so right now we got a problem. Uh, first of all, people can't afford to pay them. More importantly, they can't figure out how much they owe. There are so many files that have been lost that they can't get access to. They don't know what they owe. Um, there's been great organizations that are led by Desmond Mead, um, who is spending a lot of time and resources um, fundraising, trying to help these individuals get off the list, get paid off their court costs and fees. But what it's going to take, it's going to take a, a Democratic governor 
to get in there, change the clemency rules and make sure that we're giving everybody that, that access back to the voting booth. I was just going to ask you, you know, you said, um, you know, you're just out there doing some, some good old politicking. This is, you know, you get out there, you shake some hands, you kiss some babies, maybe not during COVID, but you know, <laughs> you know how this works. Right. And so what are people saying, what are the kitchen table issues, um, that, uh, that are affecting Floridians? Number one is affordability. Um, our state has become the number one least affordable state in the nation. Um, our, our inflation is higher than the national average. Our gas is higher, higher than the national average. Um, our rent, our property taxes, our property insurance, everything is more expensive here in the state of Florida. Ron DeSantis did that. And he wants to blame Washington, D.C. This is a Florida problem. And so I've got a Florida solution for it. Um, but that is what is on everybody's minds. When you're seeing and hearing these stories, heartbreaking stories of people just graduating from college that can't find a place to live and they're living back in their parents' basements or their second bedrooms. Um, you know, seniors who are on fixed incomes that can't afford their property insurance. Uh, single moms who are working two jobs are seeing 60% rent increases and don't know where they're going. This is the number one issue that I'm hearing across the entire state, regardless of where I am, whether I'm in the Keys, in Miami, Central Florida, North Florida, Panhandle, it is the same conversation. The second is women's reproductive health care um, and, and Roe v. Wade and the overturning of that. We have now a 15-week abortion ban here in the state of Florida, um, and Governor DeSantis wants to take it further. Women are going to die. Women are going to die because of the, these bans across our state and across the nation. And we're hearing it. I'm already hearing those stories. And, and so women are looking for that fierce fighter. They're looking for somebody who's going to get in there um, and who is going to protect their rights. And, and citizens of our state are looking for that person who's going to come in and say, I'm going to lower your cost of living and raise your standards of life. And that's when they're seeing that, that, that momentum that is here with this campaign. Uh, Nikki Freed is here. She's running for governor of Florida. If you live in Florida, gather everybody you know and make sure that they're registered. Check the voter rolls to make sure that you're not kicked off. Make sure November you show up in numbers that we haven't seen before because they're working hard to discount your vote in Florida. Hanging chads, notwithstanding. <laughs> PTSD, PTSD, Carol, 2000, what are you doing? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Listen, we, we, we know what has happened before. We have yep. to make sure people will lie, steal, and, and do all of the things and cheat definitely cheat to stay in office, unfortunately. I was this close to becoming a Florida resident primarily because y'all didn't have um, income tax. Uh, was it? Uh, yeah, so um, I, I had a house in Winter Garden. I loved it. I loved it. I'm so grateful that I'm not there now because of DeSantis and Trump in them. Yep. How do we restore civility, humanity? How do we restore uh, a sense of community in a, yep. in a state that actually is so interesting and diverse, but it's weird right now. It is very strange right now. I was born and raised here. My parents were born and raised here. I've never in my entire life seen what's happening right now, that neighbors aren't talking to each other. There's no community. There, there's anger. There's hostilities. You see parents going to school board meetings, yelling at school boards, teachers. We have a 9,000 person teacher shortage um, come the beginning of the school year. Um, you have teachers that, that are leaving the classroom because they don't know what to teach or what not to teach. We have this new civics course uh, that our teachers are having to go through that is literally whitewashing history. And, and so what it's going to take is people to realize this guy has gone too far. 
Um, that he has gone so extreme and so dictator, fascism, um, authoritarian, that it's going to take all of us to say enough is enough. You know, we, we need just somebody in, in the governor's office who is just going to be a leader, who is not going to just be a fighter for the, for the very small but vocal minority. It's 22 million people in the state of Florida. That is one of the most diverse states in the nation. And you wouldn't know that by what Ron DeSantis says on a daily basis. And so we need somebody who lifts people up, who gives hope and gives inspiration, wants to make sure that we're doing things differently. Um, and look, you know, and, and going back to, to the Andrew Gillum stuff that you were just talking about, um, that was a hard night. Uh, that was a hard night when I was on that ticket and I was down 44,000 votes that night. And um, But I also want to say this too, and I've said this very consistently. I know what the Black community did to get Andrew um, you know, up there and, and, and so close. And I know that I reaped the benefits of that, that because of so many people in the Black community that organized and got out to vote for Andrew, that that extra vote that came out, what pushed me over the top. I understand that, I respect that, I, I pay homage to it on a normal basis to say, look, we've got to do this differently. And I think that when you have a governor freed, you're going to see a different way of governing um, to lift people up, to make sure that every voice has a seat at the table. You know, you if, see. President, if President Biden said that, thank you, Black people. Thank you. Thank you, Black people. I would not be president. Um, I think his administration would be going a whole lot smoother. I'm just, just acknowledgement. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm serious about that. You know, we just want to be acknowledged. Yes, you know, please. And we want voting rights and we want, you know, reparations and a whole lot of other things. But first acknowledge, thank you for doing that, um, Governor Free. Um, I'm sorry, Renee. Go oh, ahead. no, I was just going to ask, um, you know, um, in terms of like, where do you place the, you know, the data that you get from polling and how are you polling now? And does that matter to you guys? Or you just put your head down and, and run your own race, regardless of what the polls say? Polls have been consistently inconsistent um, for, for a very long time. Um, and, and so we, we know that, but we have seen just a fundamental shift uh, since Roe v. Wade. Um, that there's been about a 25 point shift on the ground. And we're seeing that in local polling, um, all of the state, even statewide polling of the last couple of weeks shows Charlie and me tied in the primary. Um, we've seen a polling locally that shows us up four points. And, and I think that what we have done, we've done our own internal polling that we wanted to make sure that it was as spot on as possible so that we knew exactly where to message, what message was going to really resonate with the voters, what was gonna turn people away, what was gonna turn people to us. And from our own internal polling, uh, we, and this was again, probably about three weeks to a month ago at this point, um, that we were down three points and that as soon as we started to message, which is what we are doing now, um, and just positives on myself versus Charlie, you saw a 17 point shift. Um, so the polling for us is more of just a, a benchmark to say, are we, is our message working? Is it resonating? Um, but what you are seeing on the ground, you can't duplicate. I know Karen, you're off Twitter right now, um, but on our Twitter not my page. Fault. <laughs> <laughs> not your fault. But before you get there, um, yes, I was hacked. Those of you who are just tuning in, uh, but I reached out. The reason why Nikki Fried is here today is because I was able to reach out to her on Twitter, DM'd her. She got back. Her team, you know, got with my team and she's here today. So, you know, the, the tool of Twitter was very impactful, uh, but now they get middle fingers. But go ahead to your. <laughs> yeah. So don't ever click on any links that says that you need a new password on Twitter. 
don't do that. Um, <laughs> but basically what we are seeing everywhere across the state and on my social media pages, people showing us their ballots saying, I voted for you and I got my parents and my grandparents and my sister and my siblings. You're seeing that type of, of grassroots support coming out. And look, I'm running against the establishment. You know, I haven't been doing this for 30 years. I, I ran for the first time in 2018. I came from the marijuana space. I was a marijuana lobbyist. Um, and wait, so- Wait, wait, don't just drop that out. <laughs> don't, don't drop that out because on your page, Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, Nikki Freed, F-R-I-E-D, you have a $4.20 donation <laughs> button. It's a $4.20 donation button, y'all. I was like, oh, that's very clever. I'm like, <laughs> I like that. Continue, continue, Nikki. Yeah, so, so I, I'm not an established candidate. You know, I don't play by their rules. Um, I, I do what I feel is best. I, I was a past public defender. I fought for our foster care kids. I fought for homeowners from the foreclosure crisis. So I, I don't promise positions. Um, I don't cut deals. I do what's right and what's best. And the, the establishment doesn't like that. They want somebody and I, I, I had, and I'm not gonna name names, but I had a conversation with a very big influential person um, probably about almost a year ago. And he turned to me and said, well, I think that you need to be doing this, this, and this. And I said, no offense, but um, no one runs me. No one controls me besides the people. And he turned to me, no joke, turned to me and says, well, Charlie, Chris, I control. <gasps> and I said, well, that's, that's, that's now on you. I, I, that's not who I am and um, good luck with that. Um, wow. But that's, that's, that, that's what it, we're, I'm dealing with is the establishment who feels they can control elected officials um, versus me who's gonna do things differently. Well, you know how I skip right over the primary, which is August 23rd, right to the general. <laughs> yeah. August 23rd is the primary in Florida because Charlie Chris been there, done that, right? Been there, done that. And he's, you know, um, a gray haired, uh, melanemic person who is part of the establishment, who is not gonna bring change. I don't think that, you know, he's not DeSantis, but he's also not Nikki Freed. He's not, you know, forward. He's not moving us into the future. Those of you who are in Florida, the number here is 866-801-8255. You have a chance to ask questions now of somebody that wants your vote. I want to spend a little time in the cannabis space. Um, I don't partake, but I believe it should be legal. I think it should be federally legal. And I think Joe Biden should, should sign an executive order so that people can get their money in bank. And, and it's to me, you know, it's, it's ridiculous that it's not when we have alcohol that I think kills way more people uh, when folk are drunk. Uh, and, and also breaks up families. What was your entry into the cannabis space, Nikki, and why? So originally, um, my intrigue in this really came when I was a public defender. When I saw almost one out of four of my police reports, um, of my client said the odor of cannabis was detected and that created the probable cause. And of course, it was steered and directed more towards the black and brown communities. And then it was my client's word saying, Ms. Freed, I didn't have anything on me. They didn't find a bag, they didn't find a pipe, they didn't find anything. And now it's my client's word versus the officers. And so I saw just the discrimination on its face. And that's kind of what really steered me. And, and then I got involved after Florida legalized for, for medical, for, for low THC, and started hearing the stories of patients 
um, all across the country that were being helped by, by this plant and getting people off of pharmaceutical drugs, um, showing real concrete progress on, on some of these diseases. And, and then as time has really gone on, the legalization movement is, has to happen. Um, economic opportunities and economic development, good paying jobs, and of course, criminal justice reform. Um, taking people out of jail and prison um, for low level or just nonviolent marijuana charges, um, decreasing of costs of public defenders and state attorneys and the jail system. And because we all know, first off, why it became illegal to begin with. It was to put black and brown people in jail. Let's be real about that. And, and today we're still putting black and brown people in jail while white people are making millions upon millions of dollars in this industry. It is time for the federal government to get out of this way. Um, but this is something that I've campaigned on, something that I will continue to push as governor to legalize, at least here in the state of Florida. 866-801-8255. Um, there is a town hall that uh, Bakari Sellers is gonna be part of, we're gonna talk about in a second. But let's welcome in a constituent, a constituent from Florida. Sandra is on. She has a question for Nikki Freed. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for taking my call. I am a first time caller. Yay! And <laughs> gotta make sure. Yep. Welcome. Uh, hello, hello, Nikki Freed. Uh, hello, so Sandra. You have gotten into uh, the, the race. You have uh, a primary coming up in this month against Charlie Crist, and I know that he has he garnered early support from uh, many people across the state, and his fundraising has been significant compared to the numbers that I'm seeing for you. Uh, I know that you want more people to contribute. I can understand that, but how do you plan to overcome that obstacle of his early endorsements and as well as the fundraising. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for that question. Um, you know, the, the people that have endorsed, I said I'm, I'm an anti-system candidate. Um, so the people that have endorsed him, the elected officials are part of that system. Um, and, and are people that he's known, look, he's been doing this for 30 years. I've been doing it for three and a half. Um, so he's got relationships that, that span generations. Um, he's got also, he's, he is a proliferant fundraiser. Um, I remember hearing a story of somebody who went to lobby him back in 2017 or 2018 before when he was still in Congress. Literally, the second that group left his office, he called them asking for money. That is how he operates. Um, so I'm not surprised uh, that he was out raising me dollars. But at the end of the day, we've got a lot more grassroots money that's in this campaign. Um, he's not that much more um, money than I do. And at the end of the day, it's about the people. And what we're seeing on the ground, what the momentum that we have, um, the people that are talking about us, our social media presence um, is overcoming all of his endorsements. I actually, I was asking my mom the other day, I said, mom, I said, do, and she's engaged. I said, mom, do you know who your state representative and state senator is? She's like, I have no idea. Do you care who they endorse? She's like, why would I care? That is what is happening since the, the invention of social media and other opportunities and, and even internet to, to look into your candidates, to hear interviews, to hear them speak, to, to look at it for, yourself, for yourselves. Um, endorsements don't mean anything anymore. I would rather the endorsement of somebody like you um, of somebody who works at a convenience store, a single mom who's working two shifts, I would much rather her endorsement than the elected official from that community. 
And on the money tip, uh, and Sandra, welcome to the call in family. Do not be a stranger. Thank you for calling in today. Nikki Free, like, I always, what do you need all that money for? Like, what, you know, how much money do you get to keep? Like, I feel like it's, it's sort of like a scheme. It's like people run for office to make money. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> um, not a single, not a single dollar. I mean, if you are making money off of running for office or you're taking any money, uh, that's called fraud, uh, okay. that's criminal. Um, and so the money goes for this. I mean, the budget, we spend money on, on staff. Um, we have a tremendously large staff as to most campaigns is a large, large state, um, making sure that that money is being paid for people that are going to organizing events, um, people that are involved on the grassroots of, of knocking on doors, um, of direct mail pieces. I mean, we're doing a lot of direct voter contact on mail pieces, on radio um, spots, on newspaper advertisements, and of course, TV. TV is always the largest uh, part of the budget, which is the most expensive. Florida is the largest and most expensive media markets. And we've got so many of them, um, which is why we're looking at doing things creatively, which is why we just, I heard you uh, put my my new TV commercial at the beginning of the show. It's why we're doing things creatively to create additional buzz. Um, and at the end of the day, um, I don't care how much money people spend, um, the people see through it. They see, they wanna know that someone's genuine. They wanna know that they're gonna show up for your communities. And that's what we've been doing. But I had to ask that question because there are people that, you know, why should I donate? Well, this is, you know, this is why. And so you go to NikkiFreed.com. Uh, you can do the 420. You can do the 2022. You can do the $100. There's all options out there. N-I-K-K-I-F-R-I-E-D.com. Uh, let's head over to Florida and welcome in Josette. What part? What part of Florida? West Palm. Hi. What, Hi, Nikki. Hi, Josette. Hi. The reason I'm calling it out, um, you touched on it for a minute, but this rent is out of control. I live here, and my rent at the end of this month is going to go from 1600 to $2,200 a month. Oh. And I, I guess I just want to ask, when you're in office, is there anything that can be done on your end to fix this problem? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I am so sorry that this is happening to you. Um, that I, I hope that you you can figure out resources um, because I'm hearing these types of stories literally throughout the course of the day. And yes, yeah, so day one, we're, we're declaring a housing emergency because that's what it is. It's an emergency. If people can't afford their rent, if people can't afford their, their property insurance and their mortgages and they're out on the street, um, that's not the American dream. The American dream is to get to home ownership. And if people are going through their savings on rent, they can't eventually get there. Um, so by declaring a housing emergency, it gives me the opportunity to go after predatory landlords, which is what this is. This is not inflation. Inflation in Florida, which is higher than the national average, is about 11.5, 11.7. increases in some places, almost 100% in some places. That is predatory. That's greed and allows our state attorneys and the attorney general to start going after these landlords. Then utilizing more resources at the local level with meaning that there might be more rental assistance programs. The governor has had a significant, significant amount of money that's come down from Washington, DC over the, over the pandemic to help with rental assistance. And the money sat there. 
Um, and, and it continues to sit there. We're still trying to get to the bottom of how much money is still sitting in the governor's office that hasn't been sent out to the local governments and working with the local governments to get that money out and dispersed to our, our renters. The other thing is that we have been um, basically what's called, we've been rating the affordable trust fund, what's called Sadowski, uh, which is supposed to be utilized to build more affordable homes. And this is in the tune of about $2.4 billion over the course of um, Jeb Bush did it, Charlie Chris did it, Rick Scott did it, and Ron DeSantis has done it. And so that means that less homes have been built over the course of the last 25 plus years. And so when you declare a housing emergency, I can take some of that reserve dollars, that $20 billion that's sitting in reserves. Uh, thank you to Joe Biden. Um, and so much of that money came down from the federal government, um, but that money is sitting there um, that needs to get dispersed to start building more homes, more workforce housing, more affordable housing. And when you have a greater supply more people can afford to buy homes then then alleviate some of the market and the rental. That sounds like an awesome plan. Right. I'm just sitting here <laughs> thinking it's, like, unco it's unconscionable to sit there on a pile of cash while your people like our last caller is that, how do you come up with 600 extra dollars a month? That yeah. is that that that's real people who are yep. really hurting and it is unconscionable that 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 our elected officials are not doing more to help that that's ridiculous i i have never heard the word affordable housing come out of ron DeSantis's mouth like <sighs> at, not once not well, you once already, as you know you already know nikki freed he could give a damn about working class poor people mm -hmm. even though he acts like an all shucks type of guy but that's all for the theater it's all theater yep uh, let me take one more constituent of yours, Florence. And thank you, Josette. Uh, Florence in Florida. I love the alliteration. Welcome. You're on with Nikki Free. <laughs> thank you. Hello, Nikki. Hey, Florence. How are you? Good. How are you today? I'm good, good. I wanted to ask a question. Um, July 1st, uh, DeSantis passed a law, well, the law was passed about the loud music. And of course, if anyone is, is uh, cited, or if he could hear the music, if police can hear the music uh, out of their cars between 20 and 25 feet, uh, they can actually be uh, cited and given a ticket. So I wanted to know, because I felt when I heard it, I felt it was going to affect mostly people of color. But I was wondering if there's anything that you would do when you got an office, because if they arrest or if they cite someone that, of color for the music, more than likely, they're going to find a reason to either search the cars or find some reason to go beyond just fighting for the loud music. So I'm sitting outside and I do voter registrations three days a week. And the one thing that I hear is loud, mufflers, loud, these, these big trucks and everything that put these loud mufflers, uh, pipes on the trucks so that it, uh, I'm told it's to intimidate certain people. Is there anything you would be willing to do about that, uh, about that law? Yes, um, absolutely. Look, Florence, I, you heard earlier in the show that I talked about one out of four of my cases was uh, the odor of cannabis was detected. Well, the other ones were loud music and tinted windows. Um, that was the probable cause of pulling people over. Uh, and so we know, we know what they're doing here. Um, and let me tell you that I never saw a police report where it says tinted windows or loud music of a white vehicle of somebody who was white in the vehicle. Um, I, I, and so I look at things like 
if this is discriminatory on its face and how it is applied, then it needs to be challenged. And so willing to do that and to challenge it, whether it's in the courts or to make sure that I'm calling that this law is discriminatory on its face. And so, yeah, we will be working. My, my, my general counsel is going to be very busy um, during the first couple of years of my administration because there's going to be a lot of work to be done to unwind some of these pieces of legislation and find ways to protect the people and to have a directive to our state attorneys um, that this type of uh, this type of law um, should not be what, what is the probable cause for a search. We have less than a minute. Uh, Nikki Freed, you have a town hall, Bakari Sellers, give us the deets so people yes. can come in and support. Yes, absolutely. So Bakari Sellers, for those who don't know who he is, now he's a CNN commentary, um, but he also used to be um, a, a state represent, a U.S. representative, member of Congress, and, and is his story is is amazing. Was his dad's story, um, being such a huge civil rights activist, and so he has uh, graciously agreed to come spend the day with me in Jacksonville, Florida, tomorrow on the campaign trail, and uh, so we have a lot of. Um, we're going to some barber shops, we're going to some round tables with some black farmers. And at the end of the night, we are having a town hall um, in Jacksonville, Florida. So if you happen to be in Jacksonville, uh, hit us up. It's all over my social media um, and come, come and hang out with us. It will definitely be a fun day. And just we're getting some of that national support here because people realize that democracy is on the ballot. Awesome. I want you to come back to talk black farmers. So I want you to commit to doing that. We're going to reach Without out. Without doubt. All right, Nikki Freed. Good luck, August 23rd, it's the primary show up. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.